Said the league fell short in terms of increasing the number of minority head coaches this offseason. Added he's got no solutions for the league's hiring practices. He reiterated he's invited outside experts to consult on possible ways forward. NBA Lakers feeling a sense of urgency to make changes, according to ESPN's Dave McMenamin. As tomorrow's trade deadline looms, L.A.'s dropped 10 of 15, including last night's loss to the Bucks, a game in which Russell Westbrook was benched late for the second straight game. Coach Frank Vogel, not the only one who's got issues with Westbrook, says ESPN's Kendrick Perkins. Russ don't realize, and it's a shame, that not only has he lost the trust of Frank Vogel and the coaching staff, but he's also lost the trust of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Kendrick Perkins on first take. The Lakers three games under 500, currently ninth in the West. The Canadiens at the bottom of the NHL at 8-30-7 and seven on the season have fired coach Dominic Ducharme, Hall of Famer Marty St. Louis, named interim coach in Montreal. Listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus, we are presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Chris Canty. Tweet to us at ChrisCanty99 at AmberW790. Also, join the conversation on the Canty call-in line. That's what it is now. one 888 espn 888-729-3776. You know, Chris Canty, that you made it when you get your own call-in line. Mama, we made it. We here now. And so we just need the folks to be able to chime in on the call in line. We've been having that conversation about who has the better quarterback in Super Bowl 56. You know where I'm at with this, Amber. I'm going with Joe Burrow. He's just that dude. No disrespect to Matt Stafford. He's solid and he's rewritten a lot of the conversation around his career. But Joe Burrow is just otherworldly when it comes to the intangibles and he just oozes drip. And so for those of you that don't know, you need to act like you know because Joe Burrow. This is a generational talent. Well, drip-wise, it's not even close. Maybe Matthew Stafford would even agree with that. That nod goes to Joe Burrow. I can see a world where Matt Stafford has a better game on Sunday, though, than Joe Burrow, because I do believe Matt Stafford is on the better team. But since we're talking NFL, I want to transition here to Roger Goodell, because the commissioner of the league, Chris, he speaks every year in his State of the League address, and it's become an opportunity for the media to ask Roger Goodell a bunch of questions about all sorts of different topics, but Frank Frankly, it's become an opportunity uh, over the years to ask Roger Goodell about the controversies that surround and affect the NFL. And this year was absolutely no exception to that rule. The commissioner was asked about Brian Flores's class action federal lawsuit that he filed. And in that lawsuit, Chris, one of the allegations, which I actually don't necessarily think was pertinent to the actual claims in the lawsuit, but one of the allegations that he included that I do think is incredibly incredibly important when we're talking about uh, uh, launching an NFL investigation and integrity of the game type implications was the claim by Brian Flores that the owner of the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross, had offered him money in exchange for losing games, I guess throwing games, so to say, so to speak, uh, an alleged tank uh, pay for tank situation. And so Roger Goodell was asked about that very allegation. Integrity of the game is obviously an important element, uh, just as making sure we have the right uh, culture in our organizations across the league and at clubs. Um, but we are going to look into that, and we will make sure that um, either our, if there were violations, that they won't be tolerated. I couldn't speculate on what they'll be uh, because we'll have to find out what the facts are. What, what, what's the outcome? And when we know what those facts are and the impact it has on our game, we'll deal with it very seriously. Now, 
Chris, as a lawyer, I had said that I didn't think that this allegation was necessarily pertinent to the actual claims in the lawsuit, the actual four causes of action, which as they relate to racial discrimination, this maybe you could argue speaks to kind of a general mistreatment of a black coach in Brian Flores with the Miami Dolphins. But I don't know if it was pertinent into those claims. It felt a little bit like Brian Flores, of course, includes this because, you know, he's throwing the match behind him and kind of blowing everything up like in an action movie as he walks out of that Dolphins facility. And he may be doing just that because this allegation, certainly in terms of the NFL, even if it doesn't hold much weight in court or ever get that far, this NF, the NFL is obviously going to have to launch an investigation. And if there's any validity in this, you can see what kind of ramifications could possibly come into play. I know a lot of people are talking about the gambling component of that. I don't think that necessarily matters in terms of a legal perspective, in terms of the past. But you did mention it earlier in the show. That's the direction everything's heading. So you can't have integrity of the game issues in terms of fanfare, but now also integrity of the game issues in terms of the legalization of gambling uh, as it becomes more and more prevalent across the states. Yeah, well, that's the part that Roger Goodell has to be seriously concerned with, which is the undermining of the entertainment product itself because a lot of people are paying a lot more attention to the National Football League because they got some coin on these games because there is a gambling interest now involved with the legalization of sports gambling in more states. And so I think that's the part where Goodell has to play close attention to as well as the other 30 owners because those are serious allegations towards Stephen Ross. Now, I think as far as the class action suit is concerned and why Brian Flores included these allegations in that suit, I I don't know if it's from a a, a legal standpoint or from a liability standpoint he has any ground to, to stand on. I'll defer to your legal acumen in that regard. But what I will say is in the court of public opinion, it does help to provide some color and paint the picture for the fans and the media when it comes to the disparity in the opportunities that black head coaches are given once they step into these roles. First of all, it's hard for them to get the opportunities. Second of all, when they're in these roles, they don't necessarily have the full support of ownership, the resources, in the same way that their white counterparts might. And then thirdly, just the fact that they don't have the runway to get the program turned around like some of their white counterparts might have. In a study that was done, it showed that black head coaches are fired nearly a year earlier than their white counterparts. So there is that form of discrimination, that disparity that exists, whatever, however you want to frame it. That is relevant to the conversation that we're having when it talks about a fair and equitable process with hiring black coaching candidates, but then the situations that they're actually stepping into and being supported properly by those organizations. Because, let's face it, Amber, if these allegations are true by Stephen Ross, then it confirms the suspicion that some fans and some coaches might have around the National Football League, which is winning might not always be the top priority for these franchises, and that's another problem that Roger Goodell has to deal with if that, in fact, ends up being true. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and plenty more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So 
absolutely this speaks to generally you could argue the mistreatment of black coaches in the NFL and Brian Flores to your point does uh, does allege in his lawsuit that maybe he was fired more quickly than his white counterparts would have been from the Miami Dolphins I just don't think that allegation if we get into the legalities of it and we you know we can discuss that further but without getting into the minutia of of kind of why I don't think from a legal perspective it's necessarily pivotal or a cornerstone to that lawsuit at all what it does speak to generally is the mistreatment and this issue with a lack of minority coaches in the NFL. And that is something that Roger Goodell was directly asked about today in his state of the league address. Why is there such a lack of minority head coaches in the NFL? Currently there's only five. Here's Roger Goodell. We look at the same numbers and, and uh, they're, they're really part of the effort that again, looking at how do we become more effective in our policies and procedures? Um, we work really hard. We believe in diversity. We believe in it as a value. We believe it's made it stronger. Uh, people who have come into the league who are diverse have been very successful and made us better. Uh, and we just have to do a better job. Uh, we have to look, is there another thing that we can do to make sure we're attracting that best talent here and making our league inclusive? Um, if I had the answer right now, I would give it to you. I would have implemented it. Uh, I think what we have to do is just continue and find and look and step back and say, we're not doing a good enough job here. Well, Amber, that's the thing. You're not doing a good enough job. And when one of your head coaches that was recently fired tried to address it in the form of a class action lawsuit, the, the position that the league took was deny, deny, deny. And I understand that this is a legal issue and that this was a, a claim that was filed in federal court. And so there's a certain posture that you have to have. But it didn't necessarily sound like the NFL was willing to listen to Brian Flores when he was making these claims. And that's the part that I have an issue with. Now, Roger Goodell, over the course of the weekend, walked it back a little bit with the statement that he made. But to me, when I hear him say those words, they ring hollow to me because it's clear that the NFL, if they were sincere in diversity at the top of these organizations, especially in the form of head coaches, there would be more progress than what we've seen since the implementation of the Rooney Rule back in 2003. When I came in the league in 2005, there were six black head coaches. Today, we have three. Only two were hired in the, in this hiring cycle, and there were nine head coaching vacancies. So I, I think based on the disparity and the sheer number of black coaches that are in the National Football League in coordinator positions or in posi- as position coaches, I, I, I just don't understand how we're still at that number in 2022 so I think the reality is that this is a problem that the NFL has to acknowledge that they can't fix on their own and that's why I'm a proponent of them bringing in a third party somebody that can be objective when assessing these candidates and choose recommend well not choose but recommend candidates to these clubs that have coaching vacancies uh, based on the merits and the, the resume of the coaching candidates in a given hiring cycle and then go ahead and give that to the owners and see what they they end up deciding. But I think they have to do something to try to eliminate the subjectivity of it because these owners are clearly continuing to make decisions based on the candidates that they feel most comfortable in, not necessarily the candidate that's going to do the best job. You can recommend candidates all you want. The problem is, though, is that going to be a situation where now you have an independent firm recommending candidates, but yet they're still not hiring the candidate? Because it's the actual hiring, right? And how do you force private business owners well, you to can't, hire you can't, you, certain you people? Can't, and- 
you can't force them to hire him, Amber. What I think you can do is make it a more transparent process, and that's a part of the problem. If you have an independent firm that makes a recommendation and that recommendation is then made public to the media and to the fan base, then the owners can do whatever they want. But at least the candidates that that were recommended by the search firm would be candidates that were chosen based on their merits, and then the owner can make that decision. Again, it becomes an optics issue. It becomes an optics fight more so than a legal fight. But I think ultimately you put more public pressure on ownership to move out of their comfort zone and do something that they've shown over the past 20 years that they don't want to do, which is hiring head coaches of color. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's the answer, but I also don't know what is the answer. And something has to be the answer because what we currently have in place, I can tell you, and as it's laid out on Flores' lawsuit, I mean, certainly they did a very good job of laying out the ineffectiveness of the Rooney rule. So even if it's at its, its inception was well-intentioned, it is certainly not working. When we instituted the Rooney rule in 2003 and there was three black head coaches and we felt the need then to institute it, and 20-some years later, we have uh, three black head coaches. So you can see that it's been ineffective. So whatever the ideas are, that are out there. Let's try some new things because the league would be better, obviously, with more diversity. Why would you pull from a from a pool of candidates of 10 people if you can pull from 10,000, obviously? 10,000 would provide you much better people for the job. Coming up next, is Aaron Donald the best player in Super Bowl 56? I'm so proud of myself for reading Roman numerals. The answer <laughs> might surprise you. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. Canty and Gola Jr., the podcast. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty hanging out with you here on ESPN Radio. We are presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Now, Chris, on the .com, Pro Football Focus has ranked the best Rams and Bengals players in this upcoming Super Bowl. They gave you a 53-man roster. And maybe no surprise, Aaron Donald is at the top of this list, right? I I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, he led all defensive interior players with an incredible 23% pass rush win rate. They say he's the best player on the field in any game that he plays in. Joe Burrow comes in number two on this list. And then we actually move on immediately to receivers in Cooper Cup. So maybe this list is, is surprising in the sense that typically you would see, I think, a quarterback at number one. You don't get that here. You get the D tackle at number one. You do get a quarterback at two. It's not the quarterback with a lot more experience, though. It is Burrow at number two, and then we transition on to, on, on to Cup. I am here to tell you, though, mm. that this list, I mean, I'm sorry to ESPN.com, <laughs> okay? Don't fire me, y'all. But this list is a sham. That's wow. what I'm here to tell you, Chris. This wow. list is a sham. Because you know who's not on this list with all 53 <laughs> Who's Money not on the Mac. list? That's, oh, there, there you go. go. Here the we go. The best player Here in we go. Super Bowl Here we go. 56. Amber, Amber, no, no, wait, wait, wait. You can't come on here claiming that a kicker is the best player in Super Bowl 56 Hell because no. kickers aren't football players. Chris, They're barely even people. I'm not, not going to let you says. do it. I'm not going to let you do it, Amber. I don't care that Evan McPherson called his shot against the Tennessee Titans. It doesn't matter. I don't care that he kicked the field goal in overtime to win them the AFC Championship against the Kansas City Chiefs. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because Evan McPherson is a football player. The Cincinnati Bengals are where they are because of Joe Burrow. Point blank period. He is the most important bangle for you to come up here on this show and make the claim that Evan McPherson is the most important bangle. It's absolutely ludicrous. 
That's so tired, the take that the quarterback's the most important. And it's completely not applicable here. We're oh. talking about the player who by himself, alone, might as well be alone out on that field, which Joe Burrow has to throw the ball to somebody, right? This dude, Money Mac, might as well be alone out on that field. All alone, he's scoring almost 50% of the points in these playoffs for the Cincinnati Bengals. Quite literally, they would not be here but for the play of Evan McPherson. This game, Chris Canty, comes down to a 22-year-old who I think is 5'7 and like 185 or something soaking wet. That's what this game comes down to on the field because that dude is the most important player in his rookie season, 12 field goals of at least 50 yards. That is an NFL record. This dude has been breaking all kinds of NFL records this season. And truly, they aren't where they they are not in the Super Bowl without his leg. Now, and I'm not even talking about the two walk-off field goals that it has taken them to get here in these playoffs. I'm talking generally speaking, this offense is completely different, Chris Canty, because they have such a clutch kicker. All they have to do is get into field goal range. And yes, go Gata Matlack. Thank you for pointing it out. I think you're being a Florida homer with this, and that's why we got the fight music playing right now because you're trying to shout out one of your own and give him a lot of props when not a whole lot of people are talking about him. I'll give Money Mac his props. He stepped up, he made some big kicks, and he could be a huge X factor when it comes to the outcome of Super Bowl 56. But by no means do I think that this is going to come down to Evan McPherson making sure that he wins the game for the Cincinnati Bengals if the Bengals offense led by Joe Burrow doesn't come through in a big way. Because that is the identity of this team. It ain't on special teams. It's not on defense. It's the offense led by Joe Burrow and those skill position players, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, C.J. Uzuma, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon. If those guys don't come to the party, then good luck trying to make it happen. And I'll take it a step further, Amber, uh, uh, the quarterbacks aside, because we all know how important quarterbacks are in the NFL. It's a quarterback-driven league. Quarterbacks aside, away from Aaron Donald, I think the next most important player in this game is Jamar Chase. And really? I know that's saying before, a lot. Before Cooper Cup? Like, before, we're talking across teams? Let me ask you a question, Amber, and I just want you to keep it all the way 100 with me. If you're drafting a wide receiver, which one are you drafting today? Is it Cooper Cup or is it Jamar Chase? I would go Jamar Chase, but okay, I don't know. Yeah, if I, but go. am I living in the moment there a little bit? Like, am I living in the moment? I don't know if you're living in the moment. I think you're just looking at what Jamar Chase does when he gets the ball in his hands because that dude is really, really special, and it's not about him being schemed open. It's about him basically catching run opportunities, taking slants 70 yards to the house, or on third and 27 in week 17 against the Kansas City Chiefs when he's locked up one-on-one coverage, Joe Burrow just says, I just threw it down there because I knew Jamar Chase would be somewhere in the area and he would make a play. And that ends up being the play to decide the outcome of that game, an outcome that would be a prelude to what we saw them do in the AFC Championship game. So when it comes to being able to dictate coverage, when it comes to being able to manipulate secondaries, when you got the the second best player on the opposing team saying that, yeah, I need to cover this guy because that's what we got to do to win, then I think that that's saying something about Jamar Chase. So I think he's probably the second most important player in this game that's a non-quarterback. Listen, I'm would, not saying, I'm just saying. I will give you that those back shoulder sideline catches are spectacular, and he has made those business as usual. Jamar Chase is absolutely one of the best rookies in the league. He ain't money Mac. That's all I'm saying. Oh, one of Amber, the best players. I, I, don't, 
One of the best players in the NBA joins us next to discuss the ever-changing landscape of the East. But first, Chris Canty, tell us about eBay. I I don't understand you, but I understand where eBay is coming from. When a part of your offense isn't firing on all cylinders, it shows. Maybe it's a drop ball. Maybe you just can't work your way down the field. When this happens, there's only one solution. you got to replace the part with something better. It's the same with your car. But unlike in sports, a new batch of car parts can't be drafted every year. That's why eBay Motors exists. They have all the right parts at the right prices. In fact, eBay Motors has 122 million parts. That's a lot. That way you can get the parts you need to make your car a winner. eBayMotors.com. Less ride. More ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson, Chris Canny, back after this. Canty and Golick Jr., the podcast. This is ESPN Radio. Christine Lisi. Nets guard James Harden continues to deal with hamstring tightness out of fourth straight game against the Wizards tomorrow, which is NBA trade deadline day. Publicly, Harden has declined to comment on speculation he wants out of Brooklyn. His actions, though, have been sending a different message, notes ESPN's Brian Windhorst. He is screaming in every way he possibly can, I don't want to be here, get me out of here, just like he did in Houston. What the real issue is here for the the Nets, it's the consequences of not making this deal. If they don't do this trade, what is James Harden going to do the rest of the season? Brian Windhorst on Greeny with Mike Greenberg. The Canadiens, last in the NHL, have fired coach Dominic Ducharme, Hall of Famer Marty St. Louis, named interim coach. Hiring and diversity, among the variety of topics NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell discussed today during his Super Bowl news conference. He said the league fell short in terms of increasing the number of minority head coaches this offseason, added he has no solutions for the NFL's hiring practices. He also said he's invited outside experts to to consult on possible ways forward for the NFL. You're listening to ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty hanging out with you until 7 p.m. Eastern. And we are thrilled to have hanging out with us right now. Atlanta Hawks point guard, one of the best players in the league, Trey Young, joining us. And Trey, it's your first time as a starter, uh, an all-star starter. What does that mean to you? It's actually my second. Um, I'm uh, I'm excited to go out there and uh, and 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 represent Atlanta and have fun and and uh, hopefully put on a show. Trey, I know there's a lot of noise around the NBA leading up to the trade deadline tomorrow at 3 p.m. Your team made a move a few days ago, shipping Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks. As a player, how do you block out all of the noise and focus on the task at hand? Uh, independent of what the front office may or may not do before the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is always a, a, a difficult time of the year, uh, a time of the year people are kind of stressing and uh, guys just don't know if they're going to be on the same team after the break or whatever, but you got to really focus on your team and, and control what you can control. And I think our team has done a great job just focusing on that and um, not really focusing too much on the trade deadline, but controlling what we can control, and that's just going out there and playing and focusing on your team. And I think that should just be the mentality every guy has in his league because uh, you never know. 
Atlanta Hawks point guard Trey Young joining us. So you have definitely been focusing on what you've been focusing on. Whatever that focus is has been working of late. Y'all have won nine of your last 12. What do you make of that turnaround? What do you attribute it to? I just think our focus to uh, attention to details and shoot around and uh, just our focus is picked up and our defensive end is picked up as well. We, we've been a pretty good offensive team all year, but we were really struggling early on on the defensive end. And uh, we really picked it up these last few weeks and, and gotten back into this race uh, because of that. So I think we just got to keep it going and, and stick to focusing on the details. Trey, I know you guys are a couple of games under 500. They're 10th in the Eastern Conference standings, not where you guys want to be, but you certainly have the confidence to be able to contend because we know how your season finished last year being in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I wanted to ask you, with this being Nate McMillan's first full season with you guys, what do you make of your head coach and the job he's done thus far? Uh, I mean, he's done a great job ever since uh, I mean, he's taken over um, last year. He's just done a great job of just continuing to, to motivate guys and um, making sure guys are, are ready to play, uh, having great game plans each and every night. I think he's done a great job of just making sure we're all ready to go and um, having that type of players coach mentality uh, I mean it, it helps um, in this league and you're able to relate to your coach and he's able to give you some gems to to really push forward and help your team be successful so uh, Nate's done a great job since he's been here and I just want to I mean keep having success like we've been having and um, and he's got to keep it going. Atlanta Hawks point guard Trey Young joining Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. So, Trey, you are a two-time all-star starter. I'll put some respect on your name there. And I mentioned (laughs) off the top that you are one of the best young players in the entire league. So we know your game speaks for itself. But that being said, I know how competitive athletes are, and you're always looking to improve yourself. If there was something you wanted to work on in terms of your game in the future, what would be that one component of your game? Uh, I mean, for me, I, I'm always trying to get better in every area. I feel like I, I can and uh, I can learn and continue to get better. Um, but I just want to just keep keep focusing on that. And uh, I think I want to continue to focus on the defensive end and uh, push myself and continue to get more in shape so I can play um, at a, a high rate on both ends each and every night. So just want to continue to push myself in all the areas um, that I can. Trey, uh, early on Sunday you played against the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic and his team. And going back a few years ago when you guys were coming out, you were a part of that draft day swap with the Dallas Mavericks. I know a lot of folks in the media, a lot of fans compare the trajectory of both of your careers. Is that something that you pay attention to, or do you just focus on your own business? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, the fans and everybody's going to want to always can compare and uh, focus on it. But me as a player, I'm, I'm focused on my team and winning and and, uh, and what I got to do to help my team win. So I know he's probably thinking the same. And uh, we just we just focus on our teams. And that's, that's my mentality. Uh, we can do the comparisons and doing all that, that stuff when I'm retired. Um, right now <laughs> as I'm playing, I want to always focus on my team and make, make my teammates better. Atlanta Hawks point guard Trey Young joining us on behalf of Body Armor. So, Trey, you're sitting at 10th in the East right now as a team. What is the key to moving forward? Um, just staying focused. We've won uh, a lot of games here recently. We've had a couple of stretches where we won 
Um, I mean, had a couple win streaks going. We just got to keep it going and, and stay focused and uh, treat every game like a playoff game and uh, just have fun while we're doing it, and uh, we'll, we'll get it back right. What you're doing with Body Armor? Say that again, you cut out. I said, tell us what you're doing with Body Armor. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a partner of mine. We're uh, out here, we got some things coming. Uh, things maybe can't announce yet, but uh, got a <laughs> lot of things cooking. And uh, just been a big, a big partner of mine. And, um, I mean, obviously a big hydration and for me and, and my work, work process and what I do daily. So, uh, yeah, it's a big partner of mine. Well, we will stay tuned for that. You always have a lot of things cooking. Atlanta Hawks point guard Trey Young presented to us by Body Arm. Thanks so much for joining us, Trey. I appreciate y'all having me. Chris, it's a big day because obviously we had Trey Young on the show. It's also a big day (laughs) because today's National Pizza Day. And you have some terrible pizza takes. How we'll get to that. Oh, I mean, just terrible people. Whoa, 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 the people I, need to know. We have no, to reveal no, 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 these no. takes to the world. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to let you disparage my good name when it comes to being a food connoisseur because, as we all know, Amber, the 300-pounders know where the good food is at. And I will say this. As a native New Yorker, I feel like I'm betraying my own when I come out here with this pizza take. But as somebody that is marrying a, a Chicagoan from the South Side, I will tell you, that there is a little place in Chicago that has the best pizza in the United States. It's deep dish, it's Chicago style, of course. Which is but not it a is pizza. Ab- it is absolutely phenomenal. I don't care what anybody says. It is absolutely a pizza. It's got the crust. It's got the sauce. It's got the toppings. It's a pizza. And I will say this. I've had a lot of really good pizza in New York because I'm from here. I'm from the Bronx. So, I mean, you, you can't pull my New York card. But I'm just saying that when it comes to pizza, this particular brand of deep dish pizza takes the cake as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the best pizzas that are out here in these streets. I got to tell you, the spot in Chicago, Pequot's Pizza, best pizza I've ever had in my life. Chicago pizza is not pizza. It's not even a pie. It's more like a cake. We have plenty more of trash food takes from Chris Canty coming wow. up next here on ESPN so Radio. Amber Wilson, Chris so Canty. disrespectful. After Atlanta Dream owner and appointed U.S. Senator Kelly Loeffler criticized the WNBA's social justice initiative, the Dream players responded by posing in Vote Warnock shirts, lending their support to her rival in the upcoming runoff election. Raphael Warnock would go on to defeat Loeffler in the runoff a few months later. ESPN Radio celebrates Black History Always. We're coming down the stretch here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty, we have been hanging out with you for the last few hours. You can tweet to us at ChrisCanty99 at AmberW790. We've covered a lot of ground on today's show. Thanks go out to Carson Palmer, Trey Young, Darren Waller, and George Sedano for joining us. So there's been a lot to unpack here, Chris. But now... There's even more. Let's do some three and out. Hey. Sometimes it's the worst. Worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. So, Chris, 
I would say this is part of the best. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. This is part of the best. ESPN has expanded its agreement with Peyton and Eli Manning and the Monday Night Football with Peyton and Eli Manning, the Manning cast, as we all affectionately call it, through the 2024 NFL season. It ain't going anywhere. Chris Canny, what do you make of that? No, we can't have it go anywhere, Amber. I mean, I need more of Eli Manning hanging out with Snoop Dogg and Snoop becoming an honorary Manning and then Eli getting the death row chain from Snoop Dogg. I mean, who doesn't want to see more of Snoop Dogg with the Mannings? Peyton and Eli did a terrific job with it. I'm not necessarily sure that it's in the best interest of active players to go on the Manning cast because we know there's a little bit of a Manning curse. Like if you come on the Manning cast the following week, your team catches an L. So that might not be the best thing for active players. But as far as entertainers, you know, retired players, they add an element of entertainment that you wouldn't otherwise get from Monday Mm -hmm. Night Football. So I'm fired up about the Manning cast continuing to keep it pushing. Still waiting on Eli Manning to join us here on the radio show in the afternoons. But I digress. But the Manning cast, more Mannings on ESPN. I don't know how you could lose with that combination. Yeah, we've gone from right, the Madden. We've gotten it from the Madden curse to the Manning curse. I like how you shot your sh- you shoot your shot right there Absolutely. in the midst shoot, of that. Shoot or shoot, Amber. Shoot yeah, or shoot. Yeah, keep yeah. shooting, Chris. I like Absolutely. it. Yeah. So we've gone from the Madden curse to the Manning curse. Uh, but I am very glad that we'll get another year of this. The extension will add a fourth year, so that goes through the 2024 season. It's a really fun cast and low key. I feel like Eli Manning. I know he's got the Super Bowls and all. I feel like Eli Manning is hitting his stride here. Uh, in in his retirement career with his yeah, Manning cast, he is. He Eli is, is like low he's, key. He's becoming the more entertaining brother. Either, but hey, you know what, Peyton, come please come on, please come on our show. No, I mean both of them are really funny, but it's a different sense of humor, right? With Eli is that deadpan sense of humor, and Peyton is that acted comedy kind of kind of element to it. So. Well, I think. I think with it, Peyton, it I just I already knew that he was funny, right? Because Peyton, with the commercials and everything that he's done since, and with Eli, I feel like I'm getting much more of a sense of his personality now with this Eli cast. So that's been a lot of fun. What has not been a lot of fun is for Kentucky Wildcats betters because they became the culprits of one of the worst bad beats, I think, of the season. Now, a lot of betters around the country, of course, have been betting on Kentucky. And after a made layup by Devin Carter to make the score 86-76 in Kentucky's game against South Carolina. Gamecocks, here's what happened. At the last nine seconds, run off the clock. And they will. Shibway will not take the two. No, that will not count. He waited, and the final score, 86-76. Kentucky, the Wildcats win it by 10. So the apparently the line was at 11. Brutal. So he, he waited until the last second to slam that ball and just break the hearts of a whole lot of betters across the country, Chris. But I don't understand why he dunked it after the buzzer went off. If you're going to dunk it, go ahead and get the deuce. Go ahead and get the points. Nobody cares about sportsmanship at this point. It's all about the NIL money if you're one of those scholarship athletes. And for the people that are tuning in on that game, I mean, if you're not an alum of one of those schools or a big fan, you could have had some coin on it. So he could have done himself a favor, and he could have done the gamblers a favor too if people had Kentucky with that line. Like, I just feel like – 
that was one of those spots where he let everybody down, let all involved down. And it's just, it's one of those, that's a rough beat. I'm not going to lie to you. That's a rough. Because he had the opportunity to, he dunked the basketball, but he just waited until well, after waiting. the buzzer went off. He it made waiting. no he's sense. He's sitting there waiting. And it, everyone, it made and no I can sense. Only, I can only imagine if you had money on that, like the a stress of just watching him wait and you're thinking, oh, come on, dude, just slam it through. And then he does, but it's too late. But Amber, that would never happen in football. That would never happen. Like you would never see a defensive lineman because your team is up three touchdowns decide that they're not going to go sack the quarterback. That would never happen in those situations as a player. You want to go get the stat. As my man Terrell Suggs used to always say, go get the stat. Young man from Kentucky basketball, go get the stat. Don't dunk the ball after the buzzer goes off. Get the deuce and add to your stat sheet. What are you waiting on? It could have been a win for everybody. Instead, it ends up being a huge loss for people that took Kentucky and laid the 11 points. I would argue that maybe it happens a little in college football because you have that whole idea of don't run up the score on people. I do wonder, Chris, I mean, we're up against it here. I do wonder like how that changes with betting, right? Because it's like you're, you're betting on lines and then at some point people are giving up on even scoring points in college ball. So all of this becomes a lot more interesting with betting. But real quick, I'm up against it. I have to mention again, Chris Canty's trash pizza take oh that he gosh. thinks the best and he's a New Yorker. He thinks the best pizza is Chicago deep dish. Unbelievably terrible pizza. No, dish. first of all, I didn't say Chicago deep dish. I said Pequod's deep dish. I'm it's not in a Chicago. Blanket. I'm not same a blanket. Diff. Yeah, I'm not a blanket. Deep dish is better than regular pie style pizza. I'm not going to say that. The best pizza in New York, as far as I'm concerned, is down in the village. This place called Ruby Rosa. If you haven't checked it out, you need to get involved. But I will say this. When it comes to the pizzas of my choice, Pequod's Deep Dish Pizza is the way to fly. There is no other alternative for me. But Ruby Rosa is not bad as well. We got you covered. Thanks for hanging out with Amber Wilson and Chris Canny. Spain and Fitz up next on ESPN Radio.